Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This is an Adventureland Media Production. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. Nineteen forty-three. The world has gone to war on two fronts. The fates of nations have been thrown into the winds of history. In Southern California, a team of ex-flying Tiger pilots have come together as a request from the President of the United States. Their job? To use their special military skills to protect the American people from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Together, they are the terrors of the skies. This is the story of The Lost Tigers. Tonight's episode, The Angel Squadron. We now rejoin our story as morning finds our heroes waiting on the tarmac under the warm spring sun surrounded by their newly created home base just north of the Long Beach Army Airfield. Ned and Kate sit in his black Aston Martin convertible and survey Mr. Awall's handiwork. Beside the huddled form of a small Victorian farmhouse, the United States government had quickly installed a large hangar, a workshop, and a small flight control tower. Let's listen in as the pair discuss their new digs. Well, it's not the Beverly Hills Hotel, but it'll do. Well, you're not going to be sleeping here, lass. This is a working base. (laughs) No kidding. I work on this airfield already, you know. The home of the Army Air Transport Command Fearing Division is right across the way over there. The other 17 girls and I also moved the A-20s B-17s, and A-26s from the Douglas Aircraft Building. All in all, I can fly more than 13 different models of fighters, bombers, and patrol planes. What about you? I only need one. Are you familiar with this field, then? Uh, Doherty Field is 500 acres, roughly rectangular in shape, and has three runways. One is 5,500 feet long, another is 2,200 feet long, and the smallest, uh, this one we're off of, is 1,200 feet in length. I guess you're not all looks, then. We must have chosen the right person, after all. The throaty roar of an Allison engine, quieter than the quadruple rumble of the bombers across the field, interrupted their morning chat. Overhead, the silhouette of a P-40 slipped down toward them from the north. 
They knew who it was by the sharp-toothed grin painted on the nose. Only one man had a warhawk with markings like that in California. Here comes William, early as usual. Makes me look bad. Is that the army plane that crashed off the Palos Verde Peninsula in January? Yeah, it went down off White's Point in 40 feet of water. He and Gunny rented a barge and claimed salvage rights on it. The government couldn't do anything about it. William loves that thing. He spends more time with that old plane than he does with women. I don't blame him. After his divorce in 35, he's been wandering about the globe in search of meaning in his life. That's probably why he's been so cavalier about his relationships as of late. Oh, he's coming in now. His gear just came down. Doesn't want his heart broken? Can't say that I blame him at all. That's why I don't date. Hiya, toots. How you doing, old man? Old man? Well, look who's talking. That's why I love you, Edward. You don't pull any punches. Unless it's in poker. Well, let me help you out of that harness. Thanks, buddy. Nice flight. Beautiful as usual. Kind of loud in the cockpit, though. Oh, I like the olive drab color better than our old AVG pattern. I'm glad you found a drop tank for it, too. Um, I never noticed the star on the fuselage and the big U.S. on the wings before? That's because that's new. AWOL had it added while I was up in Burbank yesterday. I don't like it either. Nice to see you, Kate. You look beautiful, as always. You old smoothie. Do you ever take that leather jacket off? And why would I? It's just getting broke in. Huh. <laughs> Boys. You know, I do believe this is the first time I've seen you in your wasp uniform. Looks good. Garrison cap, matching khakis, shiny shoes. I had no idea you girls had wings, either. Of course you didn't. Who do you think flies these birds all over the country so you can take them overseas? <laughs> Airplane fairies? Okay, don't get your britches in a bunch. You're getting dangerously close to a fist in the nose, buddy. You know, you're pretty when you're all itchy. Like a cute kitten spitting at the neighbor's dog. I'm sorry, love. I'm just playing with you. All right, but don't let it happen again. Well, that was a right good show. Stuff it. Oh, you are fun to be around, aren't you? Sorry I'm late. I was detained at Mission San Juan Capistrano with wine orders. Are you all right? You look a bit off your game. I was almost run off the road by an old ambulance. They kept coming up and honking their horn and waving at me. Bunch of mm -hmm. crazies. Well, here comes an old truck now. Is that the same one? What? Why, yes it is. I'm going to have a word with that driver. Hey there. Been trying to get your attention for miles. What gives? Mr. Awol, I think the good sergeant here thought you were trying to run him down. Why the devil would I do that? The team turned to look at the newly painted 1942 WC half-ton 4x4 ambulance. In amused surprise, it was not 
what they expected for a cover vehicle. So, so, so you chose an ambulance as our team vehicle? It's all I could get a hold of in such short notice. I like the big painting on the side. The tiger's quarter face with the eye at the center. It's almost like it's saying, we're watching you. Hmm. Great cat flight school. You know, I like the slogan, even if it is a little bit corny. I think I was expecting a vehicle with a little more of a civilian look. It's so cute. I can see us riding around in that thing like the yellow cab in the shadow out looking for trouble to solve. (laughs) What's wrong with it? I came up with that look. All right. Earn your stripes with us. (laughs) We're stationed at an airport. What cover would you have suggested? All right. Who'd you bring with you? These men here. This is your new field team all on loan from various bases in the area. Here's your new mechanic assistant. And we also have your armorer, parachute rigger, radio man, medic, and line chief. Nice to meet you. Nice Good to be here. Nice to Thank meet you. you. Okay, gang, let's get inside. We have a lot to familiarize ourselves with. Pilots, handler, and new crewmen entered the nearest of the new buildings created for them. The arching Quonset hut loomed over them as they stepped inside the cool interior. This is our new laboratory. It comes equipped with all the latest equipment for research and development. This looks like it's been in use for weeks. I thought this was a new building. Actually, it was installed yesterday. I'm just a bit anxious to get started. Been working all night. Everyone, this is Dr. Daryl Dunfer, professor of science from Stanford University. You'll find his work is brilliant, if not always successful. Just like his cousin, Dr. Brown, his ideas are often ahead of their time. A student of all sciences, I must confess. He's sometimes regarded as a little strange, eccentric, or even crazy by academic circles, but we've been lucky enough to acquire him for our work. Oh, and by lucky, I suppose you mean that he's all the government would give us. Yes? There have been a few accidents. Pardon me, I'm a tenured professor of physics. Experiments sometimes fail or fizzle out or blow up. Ah, I get it. Done for. Because if he screws up, we're all done for. That's rich. My honorable family surname is no indication of my skills in the lab. Thank you very much. My apologies. What are you working on today, Dr. Dunfer? Glad you asked. The lab is ready, Doctor. I came up with these little beauties while reading a comic book. Here, put these on, everyone. Goggles? Who designs all this stuff, Jules Verne? Not just any goggles. Try them on. These things are kind of bulky. What do they do besides keep the wind out of my eyes at 10,000 feet? Flip the little knob on the right side, near your ear. Whoa! Everything's turned weird shades of red. I think I can see my handprint on the table. Is that my heat signature? You know, I can I can see the freezer. It looks really dark and strange. I'm 
guessing heat-sensitive optics, right? I've heard of this from the OSS. Didn't the Germans come up with something like this? I did it first. But that's not all. Switch it again. Okay, now that's odd. I can almost see through things like the table. Those cabinets. Oh my lord, look at your hand, Gunny. Whoa! I can see my bones. Hey, is this like x-ray technology? Hey! I can see your car parked outside, Ned. That will help with flying through clouds. Wow. I can see right through Kate's flight suit. You know, Kate, wearing all that lingerie in there just can't be comfortable. It's hideous. Take it off right now. Hey! Wait just a damn minute. Oh, oh. Wait a minute. I can see through your clothes, too, Gunny. I've always wondered what size you're... It's not the length of the wings that counts. It's how long the pilot can keep it in the air. What are you trying to say, Ned? Hey, my plane is big, rugged, and it flies just fine. Let's get on with it, shall we? Give the goggles back. What else have you got to show us, Doctor? I also came up with something called ablative armor. It's thin sheets of lightweight heat-resistant polymer that can protect the skin of your aircraft against enemy fire. It breaks off when damaged, adding an extra layer of protection over your plane's aluminum skin. Feel free to use my P-40 as a guinea pig. I'm all up for some extra protection. Are you sure, old buddy? You're risking a disaster. The Germans have been using all kinds of new materials of this type on their aircraft for years. I think it's time we started, too. I have all kinds of gadgets to install on your ships. If your game, that is. I really think you'll appreciate them. The two of us will gladly make use of the upgrades, Professor. Are you sure about this? Mine's a loner. No fancy toys for me, either. Agreed. What's next, Doctor? This one will help with your intelligence efforts. I've come up with a way of bugging a room. That's nothing new. We've been using small microphones to listen in on people for years. My way is a little more discreet. Take a look inside this box. Is that your grade school bug collection? I made one when I was a kid. It has those huge flying Florida cockroaches. Mm, no, but that is where I got the idea. Take a closer look. I don't see anything. What the? They're, they're made of metal. How did you get them so small? That one's like the size of a bumblebee. Hey, and this one looks like one of those Egyptian scarab beetles. Here's the difference. I'll turn on the radio, set the frequency, and activate the big beetle. Watch. It has tiny little red lights where its eyes should be. Looks like the firefly from hell. My bug is literally a bug. Get it? Ha <laughs> ha. Very funny, Doc. And they can fly around, crawl to a better listening spot, transmit messages back and forth as recordings. What modern bug can do that? They look real, too. Yeah, except for the fact they're made out of shiny metal. Look, as long as our intended victim doesn't look too close, I guess we're golden, huh? This could be quite useful. All my inventions are useful. What about that airship fiasco? That was a long time ago, and I was acquitted of all charges. What else have you got? These nifty watch bands are not only watches, but a way of communicating with each other, and the flight school here, just like on Dick Tracy. The professor handed each team member a thick leather armband with a small metal circle strapped to its center. The round blank crystal was covered by three arched bars to protect its surface. Ah, 
Lovely. Uh, but what exactly does it do, Doc? Turn it on. Whoa, that's novel. It's glowing. I can see something. Hey, is that my face? This is miraculous. Is it a television? I heard about this in a 1939 World's Fair in New York. Yes, it is. We call it a trichromatic field sequential system. This one is my design. Our base system here only transmits to your wrist units. Nobody else can see them, and no one else has them. This is amazing. These are nifty. Any more gadgets like these, and I'm going to start getting a guilt complex. Thanks, taxpayers. You know, rationing is in full swing. Gas costs 15 cents a gallon now. Money doesn't fall from the sky, you know. If you're sitting next to a pole dancer when she's upside down, it does. I made 10 bucks that way once. The conference room is clear, Professor. Okay, gang, it would seem our first mission is on. Miss Fury, it seems your little private party produced some fruit. Some of your guests aren't who they appear to be. You mean... Yes, uh, let's not use any names today. The person in question was at your party, Kate. She and I spoke at length, and we now have a mole in the midst of our enemies. Enemies? Who are these enemies? High-ranking Axis officers living here in Los Angeles. Our mole is sending me information in the next few days. Several rumors of events not conducive to national interests have come to light. We need you to begin unraveling the enemy's plans. So is this new mission something we're going to be doing all by our onesies? Or do we have assistance from other branches of the government? Glad you asked. Washington sent us a special British agent from MI6 to assist us. One of my people? Oh, jolly wonderful, that. The door opened, and in walked a vision of contradictions. She was beautiful, with brown lots and side-swept bangs, and a cheery smile beneath high cheekbones. Instantly, the Major was on his feet. What is she doing here? Do you two know each other? Intimately. I I I'm afraid I'm missing something. Have you met Agent Easter? She tried to kill me a few days ago, yeah. She shot at me, in my own bedroom. Can you believe that? Bedroom, huh? I was doing a job. Don't take it personally. Well, we're all on the same side now. Oh, yeah? We'll see. So that we're all on the same page, a few introductions are in order. First up is Don Diego Garcia, born in San Elena, California in 1909 to Antonio and Esperanza Garcia, educated at Napa High School and later at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena. Enlisted United States Marine Corps Camp Pendleton in January of 1938, excelled in flying school and was promoted as a pilot with the rank of captain on August of 1939. Enlisted in the American Volunteer Group on July 10, 1940, awarded the Chinese Five Star Wing Medal. And on July 4, 1941, you were transferred back to the Marine Corps with the rank of gunnery sergeant. Did I miss anything? Loads, but let's not dwell on that, shall we? Next, we have Miss Catherine Jennifer Fury. You know, you don't have to... Born in Kissimmee, Florida in 1914 to Henry and Ruth Fury. Educated at Osceola High School and also later at California Institute of Technology. Volunteered for the 99th Bombardment Group in Kissimmee and the Army Air Transport Command Ferrying Division here in Long Beach. No pilot rank. No kidding. They don't give rank to the girls. Next we have Sir Edward Henry Scott III. Aye, that's me. Born in Bothwell, Scotland in 1885 to James Douglas Scott and Diana Holm. 
educated at Blantyre Village School and Anderson's College in Glasgow. Too many jobs and awards to mention here, but his military service began in 1914 as a pilot with the Royal Air Corps, then again in 1941 with the Royal New Zealand Air Force 488th Squadron, on detachment from the RAF, with the rank of Flight Lieutenant. Uh, that's pronounced Lieutenant, good sir. My apologies, Sir Scott. Next we have William Robert Sin, born in Santa Rosa, California in 1892. Father's name unknown, mother, now deceased, was Marguerite Olive. Educated at Napa Valley College and later at University of Hawaii. Enlisted in the American Volunteer Group on July 10, 1940. Awarded the Chinese Five Star Wing Medal and Chinese Air Force Medal on December 31, 1941. Transferred to Office of Strategic Services on July 4, 1942 with the rank of Major. Discharged from service January 6, 1943. I think that about covers everyone. Not everyone. What about Miss Easter here? We would like to hear her background information, since we seem to be in a sharing mood. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't much information on Miss Easter. That's what we thought. What's wrong, Major? You don't like a mystery? Not from you. Army Command sent over her file. Here's what the file says. Agent Easter, um, let's see. Name, classified. Birth date, classified. Military service, classified. Na nationality, classified. Ah, what a surprise. Keep your coat on. Here's some information that isn't blacked out. It says, this agent... Probably from France. Hmm. It is a sultry brunette. Sometimes she's blonde. Attached to at least three allied political intelligence organizations. Is authorized to use her skills as an espionage master to get results. She is perhaps the most enigmatic figure in the Los Angeles underground to date. Oh, I've read this file. It's from the FBI report. It also says, This is a woman of mystery, indeed of many mysteries. American agents in all corners of North America seem to revel in tall tales about the beautiful spy, most wildly contradictory and often outrageous. Easter seems to be aware of each of these tales and in fact seems to go out of her way to acknowledge all of them as truth, while simultaneously hinting that none are the whole truth. Wait, you were in the tabloids today. I still have it here. Hmm, oh, here it is. Ah. Public fascination with Agent Easter is not limited to her exploits as a spy. Society columns and magazines routinely feature stories of which she has been seen with and speculations on which her current paramour is. Many men have tried to win the heart of this raven-haired exotic beauty, some of which have even died under Easter's care. There you have it, a character to be trusted. Oh, posh. Don't believe everything you read in those rags. We're under orders to take her under our wing regardless of what the magazines of the day read. So please extend her your warmest assistance. Please. I'm not going to be. Sorry. So, Mr. Sin, what exactly is it that makes you such a draw for anything in a skirt? It's not your welcoming attitude. I believe it's the severe manpower shortage. Or maybe you're just a magnet for those attention-starved dumb blondes hanging out on the beach. You would know. Okay, that's enough of that. What we have to do here today as allies is not going to be an easy job. Not at his age, it isn't. You didn't complain when I last saw you. <laughs> oh, we'll see if you can keep up. I always try to keep my chin up, even if my arches are falling. Could we <laughs> please get back to business today? Please do, Mr. Awol. Next, I want to introduce someone who is personally requested by the Major to join us here at the base. 
The door opened again, and this time, a slim, red-haired young woman stepped into the room in a dirty khaki jumpsuit, ball cap with brim turned up Air Corps style. Her face was broken by a huge smile. Bang! You little grease monkey. What, what, what are you doing here? I made the mistake of getting on a CNAC transport a few days ago, and here I am. That wasn't how it happened. Gosh. You, you said bring her over, and we did. We were looking for a Chinese girl. You never told me she was a European. Wait, you kidnapped her? No, it's okay, boss. I'm glad now that I know why I'm here. I'm very happy. Me too. This is excellent news. Everyone, this is Bang Lee. Her parents were Irish and had to abandon her during the Boxer Rebellion. She was raised by a Chinese family, and as far as she is concerned, she is Chinese. Either way, this girl is a master mechanic. She can straighten out the kinks in a cobra's curves. Okay, everybody's happy to meet the new chief mechanic. Let's settle down. Any other business? I have a question. Okay, uh, what are our ranks in this new endeavor? Or do we even have ranks? Well, you're not officially in the military structure, so you don't need rank. However, because we will interact with the elements of the U.S. Army, the Air Corps, and the Navy on occasion, we thought it best to return your old ranks for those times. Except for you, Miss Fury. Wasp pilots still do not fly with any rank. Yeah, we already covered that. Thanks. Mr. Garcia, you will carry the rank of captain, just like when you were in the American Volunteer Group. That's okay with me. Mr. Sin, you will still be a major. Well, what else would I be? Edward, due to the fact that you're a foreign nationalist, your government has insisted that we give you no higher rank than what you held previously. You will still be a flight lieutenant. Lieutenant. Yeah, jolly good. Any more questions? So, are we going to be using code names for ourselves? I mean, the professor has these portable radios for us to use. If you were to have code names for yourselves, what would you use? Shrunken Head Ned, if you please. Really? Why? Ah! <laughs> you carry around a shrunken head on your belt? What is that? Our last commanding officer. <laughs> uh, what about you, young lady? Kissemi Kate. Is that a romantic request or a line from the African Queen? Neither, buddy. It's my hometown in Central Florida. And you, William? I don't need one, thanks. His will be Major Will. I suppose rank has its privileges, hmm? It's because it took a major effort to get him into this endeavor. And an attempt on my life. <sighs> what about you, Diego? Just call me Gunny. What about me? Let's not get carried away. Only the four pilots, please. Hey, that's not fair. I can fly anything. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay, what code name would you like? Loud bang. <laughs> what? Why? Is that because you make a lot of noise as a mechanic? Maybe. <laughs> bang, you are absolutely adorable. I think you and I are going to be fast friends. Ah, shucks. I'd do anything for you people. Uh, can you drive a 1939 Rolls-Royce Wraith limousine? Yes, Miss Kisame Kate. <laughs> you look like a tough girl. I like that. I can just as easily picture you as a normal American child with a Girl Scout uniform, kerchief, a sash full of merit badges, and a backpack selling cookies door to door. Hey, Bang might look like she might have been a Girl Scout, but she lived in the Orient all her life. That's all she knows. Oh, what do I know? I was never a Girl Scout anyway. 
We don't have scout in China. We we don't sell cookie. We sell opium. My father was a wo local warlord. His name was Ming. Ming the Merciless. <laughs> You're really funny, Bang. How come? You like my father was warlord and beat me? Oh, go gosh, no. I, I find it funny that his name was Ming the Merciless. You know, like Gunbuck Rogers? No. We don't have a radio show in China. Oh, I'm so sorry, my young friend. How old are you anyway? 23. I like to spend a lot of time with you, Bang. W would you like that? Oh, yes, Miss Fury. I always like new friends. With the day's meeting and introductions over, the gang followed the team handler out of the farmhouse and onto the blacktopped airfield. They noticed that a few aircraft had been moved up in a semicircle facing them, the bright propellers standing above them in the morning sun. Okay, everyone, let's gather around. I was able to get the aircraft you requested. Happened pretty easy, really. Except for the Major's plane, which you already had, most were sitting around on air bases on the west coast. Kate, yours was already here in Long Beach. This shows how much President Roosevelt is supporting this initiative. You are all officially on active duty. All right, let's uh, let's take a look. I'd like uh, Miss Lee here to take a look over all the planes. Of course, Major. We have your Warhawk sitting right off the ramp on the right side. I've had the other planes lined up over on this side of the taxiway. Let's see, all together we have... Major Wills, Curtis Wright, P-40N Warhawk. Catherine's Grumman F4F Wildcat, Mr. Garcia's Republic Aviation P47C Thunderbolt, and Edwards Lockheed P38E Lightning. <laughs> Thunderbolt and Lightning, very very frightening. Why is that? Just observation. You know what? I'm gonna prepare these babies for for you right now. Is that really your plane of choice, Major? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Kind of beat up, isn't it? You want a new one? Nope. This plane and I have been through a lot together. Did you fly it in China? No, this is a P-40N Warhawk. Oh boy, Bang. Our new boss is going to get himself into deep water if he's not careful with that kind of question. I say, the Major might shoot him. The whole party will be for nothing. Shh, get in. What's the difference? That was a P-40B Tomahawk. Looks the same to me. Oh, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> that's because you're not a pilot, soldier. You know, that's not like saying a Thompson 1928 A-1 machine gun is the same as a Thompson M-1 A-1 machine gun. <laughs> These handlers real cannon cocker. Shh, Bang. Keep prepping my ship, will you? Point taken, Mr. Sin. I do like the shark's teeth, the little flying tiger sentiment. I suppose. Um, this model of airplane really does lend itself to the shark mouth design. It scared the hell out of the Japanese over Southeast Asia. What's the story on the nose art? No sexy naked pinup? That looks like a scarecrow? Wizard of Oz reference? No, 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 no. My ship is called uh, Scarecrow because I'm fond of the Dr. Sin books uh, by the English author Russell Thorndike. 
I like to think that the uh, crows I'm scaring are whatever enemy threatens my hometown. And his name is Sin, too. Get it? I get the irony, Mr. Garcia. What about you? I see you've painted something on your brand new $82,000 aircraft, too. What is that? That's a nod to my namesake, Don Diego. Like Will, I have a fondness for adventure literature, especially the book The Curse of Capistrano by Johnson McCulley. You know, Zorro. That's why there's a rose, gaucho hat, rapier, and of course the flaming letter Z under the exhaust? Uh, yeah. What are you, some kind of crackpot? What about you two? Any graffiti I should see? Just the name of my lovely childhood sweetheart, Penelope. I see that. Very interesting. And I see you've added a small Union Jack to the tale of this American aircraft. We're all in this together, mate. I may end up handing over this crate to the base commander if they need it. So no messing up the factory paint for me. Besides, I can fly almost anything. I'll probably use the Goose for any patrol flights anyway. I'm most comfortable with it. Goose? Yeah, it's a Grumman G-21 amphibious aircraft called the Goose by those who love her. I won it in a card game against an air cargo pilot named Cutter on some cod-forsaken island in the South Seas, way back in 38. I've been using it ever since. That's it, right over there. You know, the one sagging on its wheels with the red stripes and the words Cutter's Goose on a nose? You know, dear, you really could change that, you know. Nope, it reminds me of my victory. I won her fair and square against that old pirate. Though William kind of reminds me of Jake. Just a bit older, perhaps. Looks like it barely flies. You're not going to crash into any tar pits, are you? I had a hell of a time with the chief of police after that stunt. Um, that's not going to happen with the goose. We have the best flight mechanic in the world. She can make a radio flyer wagon into a fighter plane. Thanks, puppy. If you gentlemen and ladies would like to take to the air with your toys, as a unified squadron... I'll get out of your hair. One of the new crewmen, Dex, will help you with all you need. Let's go. I'm going up with you. Haven't been in the cockpit of a wildcat in days. That's fine, as long as we don't have any trouble up there. Kate, you're not a combat pilot, but you can fly with us on patrol. You know, I've been through enough training to qualify. What training? What what are you talking about? Aerial acrobatics as an aviatrix. That's not the same. There will be no wing walking here. Sorry, love. You're not rated for a fight with enemy aircraft anyway. They'd cut you to pieces up there. So, if we were to somehow get into a dogfight up there, which I doubt, it's your first duty to bug out and get some help. You understand? I'll be careful. However, I don't think we're going to be running into any enemy squadrons over the San Fernando Valley anytime soon. The crewmen introduced earlier came out of the hangar and assisted them in their various personalized aircraft. One young fellow approached Ned's boom-tailed fighter and helped the aging Brit into the small cockpit. Say, son, you, you don't seem to talk much. Where are you from? Sorry, sir. My name is Dex. I last worked with the Flying Legion as their chief mechanic. Well, welcome aboard, lad. You and the doctor will get along famously, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Thank you. One question. You're going to fly dressed like that? A pith helmet with goggles on it is not a good substitute for a flight helmet. Ah, this girl has kept me safe against spears on the Congo and turned bullets from Kazakh rifles. I'm sure it'll withstand a few lazy patrol flights over the beaches and mountains of Southern California. It's a cork sun helmet. Would a cork summer flight helmet work any better? Point taken. Well, 
At least let me put this May West vest over your bush jacket. No thanks, lad. Don't need it. This aircraft is my new favorite toy. One of these shot down Admiral Yamamoto last month. I'm old. If I get hit, I'm going down with the ship. You're crazy, old man. You remind me of my last boss. He was a crazy pilot, too. <laughs> Indeed, I am crazy. You can't imagine the things I've done. When I was your age, I was advising Amelia Earhart out of jaunts all over the West and Canada, and advising Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. I'm not as daring as you, even if I did believe your claims. Well, <clears throat> you're welcome to check them out, youngster, if you dare. Now, let's button up this bubble canopy and get underway, shall we? You got it. Dex and Bank help the new team into their safety harnesses, flight helmets and goggles, and lock down their canopies. One by one, each of the beautiful fighter aircraft roared to life, their props biting the warm spring air. A crewman waved them off, and they slowly rolled down the taxiway following Kate. Garcia, San Gabriel, Natchezin, Seal Beach. Flight Lieutenant Scott, Pasadena. Miss No Rank Fury, Hollywood. Crew Chief Lee, Orange. Miss Lee, please stay off the radio. <laughs> Let's hope we don't crash these new planes on takeoff, hmm? What was that? Watch out for the huge round tank at the end of the fence, boys. It's our biggest obstacle. Hey, what is that thing? It says Long Beach on the side. It's called a gasometer. It's part of the Long Beach oil field. Biggest in the Southland. If you were to hit that, the resulting fireworks would take this whole area off the map. Oh, look at that. That building has a directional arrow painted on the roof. Oh, quite. Oh, there are children waving at us. That's the Jefferson. Great cab flight control. Wishing you all a good first flight together. You, last tigers of the air. With that, dear listeners, the small squadron of angels lifted off the Long Beach runway and angled southwest around Signal Hill with its forest of oil derricks and headed out over San Pedro Harbor, north into the afternoon sun and history. Stay tuned next time as the story of Shrunken Head Ned comes to light. How will the old man's knowledge and skills come into play on behalf of the newly created team? Remember, now is the time to join the fight. Whenever the enemy threatens our freedom, wherever liberty lies in the shadows, however difficult the mission, the Lost Tigers will be there. The Lost Tigers, The Shadow of Evil is a non-profit production and a fan fiction. A celebration of all the writings, films, and audio of great adventurers throughout time. 
All music and sound effects belong to their originators. No copyright infringing claims are intended. This Adventureland Media production was created by Alan Douglas and Renee Garcia. Written by Alan Douglas. Directed by Renee Garcia. Vocal effects mixing and music by Alan Douglas. Final show mixing by Ryan Osterman. Opening music by royaltyfreemusic.com. Special thanks to associate producers and consultant Ian Branson and Brian Kinoshita. Special thanks to Daniel Shippey for podcast art. This Lost Tigers radio drama featured the voice talents of Steven Tyler as the narrator, Brian Kinoshita as Mr. Awal, Renee Garcia as Gunny Garcia, Alan Douglas as Major Will, Jennifer Grafton as Kissimmee Kate, Daniel Shippey as Ned, Rachel Fewings as Loud Bang, Daryl Lansing as Dr. Dunfer. Hussein Urbina as Flight Control, and Ron Voss as Dex. Thanks for listening. Have high medical costs got you down? Well, say goodbye to high medical bills. Introducing the Doctor in a Box Kit. Everything you need to diagnose and treat your medical problems all in one box. First, there's a diagnosis software for your computer. Just type in your symptoms and you get a diagnosis. Coughing and sneezing. You have a cold. Take two aspirin and get plenty of rest. There's even a setting for you hypochondriacs. Coughing and sneezing. You have the Ebola virus. Take two aspirin and get plenty of rest. And should you you need an operation, the Doctor in a Box Kit includes everything you need to do it yourself. Take scalpel, ah, and cut along, ooh, dotted line, ooh, ah, ah. You can operate on yourself, and you can suit yourself. <laughs> the Doctor in a Box Kit, only $5.99.99, not sold in stores, because of the AMA, DEA, FBI, CIA, and WHO. Save on doctor's bills now, and impress your friends. Hey, you're looking better, Bob. Who did the amputation? Why, I did it, my Myself. <laughs> doctor in a box. Bob? Now there is a doctor in the house. Oh, Bob. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.